Now that Yahweh, again, the opportunity to share your truth, knowledge, and wisdom with anyone that would hear. Be willing to hear, but not just hear the words. Listen to what you're saying, Father. Listen to your truth. Seek your face and your word, Father God. Go to your word. Study your word. Seek your truth. Seek your knowledge. And diligently seek your wisdom, Father God, so that they can experience. Oh, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman. So I'm just all wound up this morning. This God's watch. And um, first thing, just being this overwhelming sensation. It's just really absolutely marvelous. Now, remember the last couple times I've shared with you, it's been about thankfulness. Sound like a echoing theme? Yeah, well, it's almost Thanksgiving time here in this country or wherever you might be. Where I live, we celebrate Thanksgiving. I know that there are some countries that don't celebrate that. And there are individuals that... Eh, I'm not going to go into that... <laughs> But, brothers and sisters, I want to express to you uh, that thankfulness and being thankful and having that in your heart and expressing that with your mouth. Remember, I've shared this with you. The scripture is very specific. It tells us that as a man has in his heart, so shall his mouth speak. That's important to know and understand because this is the thing that Jesus taught and was a and I hate to I hate to use the term redundant teaching, but some people call it that, but redundancy, and I have, I have to make sure of the definitions because redundancy indicates a sense of, mm, I'm going to actually make sure that I'm speaking this. Correctly. So, they have various definitions that are attached to redundancy, and what what most 
people will hold on to is that redundancy is excessive. And another word is attached, superfluous, meaning it's extra. It, it can be, it could be left out, but there's a, another part of the definition for redundancy is, and it tells us that it serves as added or backup or extra. Having extra or duplicate portions or features. So, in that cause, and in that reason, that the lessons that Jesus taught, though many would call redundant, or they would change, they would turn their attitude there, Jesus was making sure that what he was teaching, things were, it was all backed up. Everything Jesus taught, everything that Jesus taught, Though redundant in nature, it was for the backup, the surety, the extra, so that you would be sure and aware that what he was teaching. And it wasn't to be, it was not excess, it was not superfluous, as many would do, tend to lean to. But we have a tendency to, and honestly, I've seen this in so many instances. Even when people are trying to be positive, they have a tendency to lean toward negativity. So when I talk about Jesus's teaching, when he taught us, it was everything had a let's call it a redundant theme, a repetitive theme. And that was always to be, have love in our heart, love of our Lord God Almighty, our Heavenly Father who created us to praise and worship Him, to have His love. That way we could show love and kindness and compassion outwardly. And remember what they tried to entrap Jesus, the, the pharisaical scribes were trying to be so thoughtful in their attempting to ensnare our Christ, our King, our Lord, our Savior. Of course, having such absolute deep ignorance and no true knowledge and that he already knew their hearts and he knew their thoughts. Now remember, remember, this is very important. Remember what the word tells us? That God and Christ are one. So as God knows the character of our heart, Christ our Lord when he was moving with them and it often told us in the scripture that he knew their hearts so 
as a man's heart is, so speaks his mouth. So speaketh his mouth. Whatever the person was feeling in their heart, so the hypocrisy, the hatred, the deception, the iniquitous attitude. Remember that word iniquity? Just absolute evil and wickedness and they had no concern for anyone else or compassion. This was the pharisaical leaven that Jesus was explaining to the disciples. And they tried to ensnare him, but what was what was Jesus teaching and what was the main thing? When they asked him, they said, oh, Oh, master, oh, rabbi. And they were trying to, they were trying to be flattering. He knew that. They had no, they called him rabbi, but they didn't think that he was that. They called him master, but they had absolutely no belief of that at all. They were being hypocritical. They were being flattering with their lips while they were yet plotting to stab him and murder him. And yet he knew the character of their heart and knew that they were like, and they, they said, what is, oh, what's the greatest commandment? To love the, your Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And I think that it was important that Jesus not just that he responded that way, and then they, then the, then he said, and the second is like unto the first, to treat and love your neighbor as yourself. And who is your neighbor? Anyone that you come in contact with. It doesn't mean the person that lives next door to you. <coughs> Pardon me. Anyone you come in contact with, with when you go grocery shopping. And that person who you are at enmity with that's down at the end of the street or in the turn of your cul-de-sac and you seem to have this, there seems to be this animosity that comes around them, whether it comes from you or comes from them, it just seems to always be there. This person you also treat with compassion and kindness and love. Remember what the scripture said, and I shared that with you, <clears throat> that when you do that, you heap coals on their head and they are walking around with a big copper bowl on their head with filled with hot coals because they can't understand that they want to be so angry and mean and mad at you all the time for no apparent reason at all that they can even think of and remember. And if you looked at some instances, right, that those that are that way, they can't even remember what started it. They can't even recall what started their feeling that way. It was something that may have been completely accidental and not even directly related to you. Perhaps the person that lived where you were living or where you are living, and they just remember the address. So they're actually upset with you for no apparent reason whatsoever. But they can't figure it out. People are so silly. And this is why Jesus repeatedly reminded us, why Paul repeatedly reminds us, why I repeatedly remind you that it is very important 
to be always thankful. Necesitas una boca de gracias. I love this. I and I'm just yeah, okay, maybe it's because Thanksgiving is fast approaching and doesn't much matter. It's gonna be me and my doggos, me and my companions. But that's okay because I pray that everyone has a good time with their families and friends and however they are celebrating Thanksgiving. See, none of this, what matters is that we're all thankful. And what matters is the Bible tells us and teaches us, the scriptures remind us that we always should be thankful. And when you're always thankful, you can be joyful. And when I look around and I have people that claim to be, as I said, they're the label heads or the self-proclaimed Christians, and yet they talk about how they have no joy or they're, they've been robbed of their joy. Um, so they, they're not very thankful. Well, excuse me, but you, you gave up your joy. You gave it away and you're not paying attention to what the scriptures tell you. So how are you claiming to be a true Christian when you allow the enemy to just take things from you? And I, and I'm, as I said, hear me out. Okay. I have this little mirror that floats around in front of me. So as I'm speaking, I'm also looking at myself. I'm not just saying this to be a lecturer. I, I'm speaking to myself too because there are times when I allow the, and then of course, in rebuking the enemy and I snatch it back because I am not gonna allow the enemy to take off and go fleeting down the path and running running to dad dad the devil with my joy and my thankfulness my no 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 thankful in whatever una boca de gracias de mi para ti what do those spanish phrases means so, and I and I really am coming to think about this. The the more and I have put this in scriptural context. A thankful mouth or a mouth full of thanks. That me para ti. From me. For you. A mouth full of thanks or a thankful mouth. In order to dance la bamba, la bamba was kind of, is a very happy dance, and in spite of circumstances, because historically the bamba, when they teach about the historical, the the uh, remember I shared the word with you also folklorical is is folk music. It's it's what comes from the people and. The historical context is that those that were working on the cane plantations and which were, um, and understand this too, is that people get really wigged out when you, 
when the, the word slave is used, that had come to a come to agreement with a different word or something. They're always changing context of the dictionary and, and how they want to apply things anyway. So when they talk about in the in the Bible context that slaves were people had slaves and they had they had people that that worked a household and, and wealthy people. But the difference is that in those households people lived in the house, or they had a house that was built for them, they were paid, and they were given allowances so that they could go out and buy and shop for themselves, but they they worked for the person, and they stayed with the person. And the term slave was used. I don't know why, it just kind of... But we have come to understand slavery as being this terrible, mean, nasty, vicious thing. Now, during this time that they were dancing La Bamba and, and things were, they were doing that, this was, um, this was amongst the slaves that worked the sugarcane plantations in that there were some landowners that were really not very kind and nice nor compassionate, but there were some that were very um, generous and those that ran the plantations and owned the property and then these folks worked from, they treated them very well. They treated them nicely. They made sure that they were fed and, and they did not treat them with hatred or, and they were respectful. And they oftentimes had these picnics or potlucks and they would all gather together and they would feast, they would dance and they would enjoy each other's company and they were thankful. They were thankful. They were thankful that they were with a landowner that was not beating them or treating them cruelly or meanly and that they were thankful that they had these niceties with their families and all. And if they were not there, that they would basically be homeless and have a not a good opportunity because one of these other mean, nasty landowners would maybe hunt them and find them and then put them into a bondage slavery, which is what occurred with the nation of Israel when Egypt put them in bondage. They were working within Egypt and living there and, and doing jobs. But then because of the council that the once the Pharaoh died that, that brought them in and allowed them to stay there was very kind to them. And his magnanimous gestures, his kindness and goodness that he poured out to them, that was all taken away because when he died and the next Pharaoh came in, listened to his vicious counselors where they talked him into putting Israel into bondage because there were just so many and they were growing and you had we had to work them to death or work them to weakness because if we allowed them to continue and growing the way they would, they would outnumbers and then there would be no Egypt. Egypt would be gone. It would 
only be Israel. Well, they listened to them. And that's what they did. They put Israel into bondage. They forced them into heavy, laborious, slavery. And they tried to rob them of their strength. And sadly, if we read through, we hear that they, they gave up. In many instances, they just gave up. When Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the Valley of the Dry Bones, what was God telling Ezekiel? He didn't take Ezekiel out and tell him to talk to all these physically actual dry bones that were laying out there in this huge valley. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Ezekiel was prophesying a specific word from God to the nation. And these dry bones that were in the valley, that was the nation. That was the people. They had given up all their hope. And if you go to the book of Ezekiel and you read 37, it talks about the dry bones. And it talks, and they had given up their hope, all hope had been given up for our part. Meaning that they just gave up their hope. They gave it up. What is the hope that we need to be thankful for or that we must be thankful for and recognize is Christ Jesus. Came Voluntarily as the sacrificial lamb of God, as his earthly cousin expressed, behold the lamb of God. Whose sandals I am not fit to latch. This is what we have to be thankful for, brothers and sisters, that he did this for us. Thankful that our Christ Jesus King of glory voluntarily came for us. He saw me from such a great way off and said, I need to go die for him. I need to show him that I love him so much that I'm going to allow them to put me on a cross and I'm going to be tortured for what he's done that he can be redeemed and have the opportunity to be with me when it comes time for him to leave this plane of existence so he will be able to be with me and we can be together and he will see his loved ones, he will know his loved ones and he will see this child that he never knew and he will know her and she will know him and we will be together in love and harmony, peace and joy. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is the vision that Jesus had 
when he came and died on the cross, when he allowed himself to be placed on that cross, he saw all of us. He saw you, he saw me, he saw your neighbor, for all of us to have the opportunity. This is why we should have a thankful attitude all the time. As readings teach me that this opens up the windows of heaven and God tells us, God tells us this, that I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out my blessings upon those that love their Lord. He will pour out the blessings so much so that we have no vessels to contain them. They will spill out all over us. That's a potent verbal illustration there. And those windows of heaven, um, I love the way this, my writing this morning is sharing this, is that, the, that our thankful attitude opens those windows. It open, it's as if we just reached up to heaven and slid open the windows. And God does not make a point to slide them back. You're thankful to him. You're loving him. You're pouring out your love to him. And what's it say? That if we do that, we open the windows of heaven so the blessings pour out. And God tells us that he will do that. And the spiritual blessings fall. They fall from heaven through his open windows. And as we have a thankful heart, we get those glimpses of heaven and how it will be and how beautiful it is and <laughs> how wonderful it will be to be with our loved ones. And it shares what a foretaste of that glory. And I, I'm going to share with you this. Uh, I'm a, I love this. Uh, this is a song, and this um, Alan Jackson actually sings this, and it's um, it's beautiful because the song is written, but it's such a it leans into this thing that I'm sharing with you with being thankful, joyful. And we have to remember that we get a glimpse of some of this. This uh, <laughs> We'll get a, a, a glimpse of this if you read the scripture and you go into the book of Psalms. And David was actually his, uh, Michal, his, uh, or Michael, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it because some people will say Michael and some people will say Michal. And, uh, but it's a woman's name. And we also have a variant spelling that is used. Uh, what was that actress? Her name was Michael Learned. And, uh, but it was spelled differently than the male version. I, it, it doesn't matter. But we get a glimpse of La Bamba. Let's look back at David in the book of Psalms when it says that he was so joyful and so happy in the returning of the ark and he was sharing with all the people that they all got 
a portion of everything. Everyone got a share, a part. And he made sure that they did that. They went into his stores and his storage and got these things out and shared them with everyone. And then took off his outer garment and he was wearing his what's... Uh, they, they have a... It's kind of a multi-use word that I've shared that many languages have this... But this ephod was like a, we would call it an undergarment, but it's a, it's like an apron, has a short, um, anyway, it, it covers the body. It's not, not running around in his underwear, but that's what they call it, uh, is ephod. And so Michael, Mikal, Makal, his wife got, uh, this was Saul's daughter, who was very much like her father, um, and that she was... She had tood. Um, she came down and declared that he was embarrassing her and that as a king, he shouldn't be acting this way and that there were, there were handmaidens that were seeing him in his ephod, his underclothes, essentially. And she was agitated. She was, she was jealous of that and she was embarrassed of that. Well, David basically just told you, he said, well, go back up, close the door and put something over the window so you can't see, but you're not going to tell me how to worship my God, my Lord, my God, and the joy that I have, the joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a song written in, that's part of the verse. I can't, can't remember how the whole song goes. But in my heart, I have the joy unspeakable. And I'm full of glory. What is? What did I just share with you? That it gives us a glimpse of glory when we are thankful and joyful to the Lord. It gives us that. It gives us that glimpse into glory that he provides as he opens the windows of heaven. But David is dancing as the song talks about in order to dance la bamba, you have to have a thankful mouth or have your mouth is full of thankfulness. Be thankful, be happy, be joyful. And then you come out and you do this. So David was happy and thankful. The ark was returned to Jerusalem and he was happy and joyful and he was sharing with all the people and everything was good. And he was giving part in that and he was worshiping God. But then of course, as you always have, seem to have, you have the naysayer just like there are Christians that do that and they will interrupt because they don't want to hear things and they decide that it's of the negativity and they decide that yada, yada, yada. I run into that. That's a repeated illustration, a repetitive illustration that seems to be. I just pray. I'm not going to be confrontational. I'm not going to get attitudinal. And there are those that will come and they will try to be that. Well, I refuse to be pulled into that and I will just walk away. And that's, it's, it saddens me actually, but we need to be thankful for the opportunity and be thankful that God gives that opportunity to show ourselves to be stronger and more in line with what he's teaching and saying that we need to be and quite possibly help this other person. But what I want to share is this song. 
Alan Jackson actually sings it. He does a really nice uh, rendition of this. But it's called Blessed Assurance. <coughs> Pardon me. What is that assurance? That is the promise of God that we find in his word. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I am, now I'm going to change the lyrics a little bit because this goes along with what the scripture tells us. And this tells us that when we are redeemed, that we are made heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. Heir of salvation. I'm purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. The spirit of God that he pours out to us. And because we accept that Jesus Christ came and died for us, he came here physically in the flesh and became a man, was placed on the cross and murdered for my sake, for my debt, for my falling short. And the scripture also reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which is true, but that's why Jesus came so that we are redeemed of that and the debt that we would otherwise owe that we have no way of paying. No matter how long we work and how much we earn, you can't pay back what Christ Jesus did for us when he came and walked in this plane of existence and was placed on that cross and murdered for our sake. And there's that word again. And yes, I'm going to use it because everybody wants to tiptoe and dance around and they want to honey drip or sugarcoat the gospel. Any way you look at it, the man was murdered for our sake. Oh, crucifixion somehow is different. Well, if you knew and historically realize and you can get documents and actually you read this, that crucifixion was a really pretty despicable way for people to die, and the Romans became very adept at crucifixion. And some people would be put on a cross and just left up for a number of days, and they would be punished, and then they would be let down, and their family could take them. And some people were crucified unto death. And they were left out there, and they were killed, as was told that there were those that were out there when Christ was crucified and they did not break the bones in his legs because the prophecies told that there was no reason to do that he had already given up the spirit but was the common practice is there was a there was a platform that they would be had under their feet and and they would be able to push up and just draw in enough breath to be able to stay out there in agony longer and then when it was time, the guards would come in and they had their, their, uh, this long shaft and they would break the bones in their legs so that they were not able to push up and draw breath anymore that they would ultimately suffocate. That's crucifixion. But Christ had already given up the spirit. He gave up. Not that anybody took it from him. He gave his life for each and every one of us so that we would have an opportunity. 
And this is my story. This is my song. Praise to my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story and this is my song. Praise to my Savior all the day long. Praise to my Savior all the day long. So this is why we have this thankfulness. We, our hearts, my heart just overwhelms me at times. And... Jesus talks in the book of Jonah. Jonah is an interesting character. He actually argued and fought with God because and he, why he was so mad is because Jonah was told as a prophet, he said he wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. Well, Jonah got mad because he knew, he knew that God was going to forgive him, that they were going to repent and God would forgive him because he knew God was that kind of God. So Jonah was all agitated because God was going to have him go to Nineveh, took him out of his comfort zone. Jonah was all comfortable. You can go to the book of Jonah and read it. It's a, there's only a few short chapters, but he went and he argued with, with God. And this is, Jonah got swallowed by that big fish, remember? <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. But Jonah talks about something really important. And this is how we get in our hearts. That we observe vanities and we, and, and this is part of the attitude that Jonah had toward Nineveh is because they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What does that mean? That they, they are not compassionate, they're not comp kind, and they have no mercy for anyone else. They're all involved in themselves. They see themselves as being much greater than what they are. And this is kind of an important thing that we have to remember this, that we see ourselves as either grasshoppers or we see ourselves much greater than what we really are. Instead of seeing ourselves as a child of God, we see ourselves in all these other different ways. And God had Jonah to go and proclaim truth to them, which he was going to go, but he also knew that God, being the forgiving God that he is, was agitated with God because he was comfortable. And he argued with God. And he told God, he said, God, you're going to have me go all the way down there and you're just going to forgive them. So why do I have to go down there? Well, because if he didn't, they're... 
quite possibly no one, they wouldn't have heard anything. They wouldn't have been given the opportunity to repent for forgiveness. And then God would have thunderbolted the Nineveh and it wouldn't have happened with God's intention. And I share with you this, that what we see outwardly, and this is the leaven that, that Jesus was talking about, and this we can find in Matthew 23 and 24. This is very important. And this is one of the um, things that Jesus talks about in one of the places where he again talks about the... Uh, the hypocrisy or the leaven of the Pharisees. And he talks about how they are concerned with the outward appearance and not at all with the heart. And this is, remember... As a man's heart is, so shall his mouth speak. So they were always concerned about appearance or what things looked like. They didn't have anything in their heart and they always cared about Jesus when he walked with his, his dis disciples that he walked with then. They were concerned about what it looked like when his disciples were allowed to go in and pull some of the barley seed off and they were allowed to eat food and as they walked along and strolled along, because they hadn't eaten for some days, and it was a, and Jesus told them it was okay. But what did the Pharisees care about? What did they care about mostly? How it appeared that they were working on the Sabbath day as they walked along the road. They ran their hands through the the seed, and they they peeled some of the seed off, and they ate it as they walked along. Oh, that was working. That was unheard of. That was unspeakable. They must be punished. We must go and we must we must belittle Jesus in front of everyone that will follow us and we must declare that that was wrong and sinful on the Sabbath day to be doing that. How wrong, how wrong, how wrong is that? Well, like Jesus tried to tell me, he said, wait a second. You mean to tell me that if any of your animals fell into a hole and were injured that you wouldn't be concerned and try to get them out and get them back and take care of them. You just let them die in the hole because it was the Sabbath. So you'd leave them in that hole for for two days and then they would die and then you would wait. That's not, they wouldn't do that. They would have somebody come and help them get it out of the hole. And this is what Jesus tried to get them to understand, but they wouldn't see it. And this is what Jesus talked about. And we can find this in Matthew 23, 27 and 28, actually. This is a very good illustration. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Remember, I've shared with you this before that Jesus is talking about this is that whitewashing thing. They make everything appear to be pretty, pretty, nice, nice outside, 
but they don't care anything about what's going on inside. This is exactly what Jesus was trying to get them to see. But remember what he also shares? They hear, but they don't listen, and they don't understand. They see, but they don't perceive. You understand? Without spiritual eyesight, you can, you're not perceptive of what's going on around you. You see it, but it's of no import. You don't pay any attention. You might hear it, but you're not listening. And this is what Jesus has explained to us about the pharisaical and what we tend, what many tend to fall into uh, that claim to be Christians. They're not true believers and they're not true Christians. They're label heads and self-proclaimed. But they don't pay attention to what's going on in our, this is, this also has to do with the dry bones that Ezekiel was prophesying to the nation. They were the dry bones because they had given up all their hope. They had given it up. And it's very important, and I'm going to jump over there right quick. I didn't mark it, and I didn't intend to, but I'm going to jump over there right quickly because the Spirit tells me that I should share that. So I'm going over to Ezekiel. Take me just a minute to, to get there. Please be patient with me. So we're going to go over to the book of Ezekiel. 37 is where he's prophesying and preaching to the dry bones. The nation of Israel. And actually, it's very specific in the scripture that we find this out and that who Ezekiel's talking about. <clears throat> and he took him out in the spirit to the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there was very many in the open valley and said, lo, they were very dry, meaning that they had no hope. They had no, they gave up. They were just, they all dried out. And the Lord told him to prophesy and he told them, he said, hey, the Lord will breathe new life into you. This is what God does every day. This is why I'm thankful. Every day when I get up, I'm thankful for the new day. I'm thankful for the breath that God breathes into me. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that I have to do this. And I pray strength over my brothers and sisters. And... God tells him to prophesy to these bones. And thus, uh, Ezekiel 37, verse 5, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, I will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. I think that's really pretty important right there because remember what he told Moses? Well, who should I say sent me? You tell the nation I am sent you. And this is necessary positive. And I think, I think this is why, you know, sometimes you see in the Bible they put italics in there to emphasize and they have that I am is italicized here. The Lord, so... I am, pause, the Lord. Same thing he told Moses. You tell them I am, Hachim, 
Lord thy God sent you. <clears throat> and Ezekiel prophesied as he was told to, and the bones came together, and they came up, and he brought breath to them, and he got them up, got them moving around, as he was told to do. And then what does he tell? He gives, he tells Ezekiel who they are. Down here, we jump to 3711. Our first ten. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they indeed stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. They gave up their hope. <coughs> Pardon me. They gave up their hope. They released it to the enemy. And they just gave up. So then they withered. They dried up. And they just, they gave up. And... When Jesus taught, and Paul reminds us this, and this is what I shared with you a little earlier, um, and we find this in Acts 28, verse 26. Paul is saying, Go into this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. I shared that with you just moments ago. Jesus is talking about this because, and he tried to explain this to the disciples and they were enlightened because the Holy Spirit came and, and opened their eyes and their ears. But this is what he tried to explain that he spoke in parables and he taught the way he did and the way he does. So that if you have a true heart, you have that thankful heart and you have thanks and praise on your lips that you will know and understand. You will hear and listen. You will see and perceive because you have spiritual hearing and spiritual eyesight that it will be more to you because you have that knowledge, truth, and wisdom that God shares with you. This is important for us, brothers and sisters. And this is what I share with you, why I share with you that that is so important. And I love this thing. And that this young man, Richie Valens, was taken at such a young age. Para bailar la bamba. Necesitas una boca de gracias. In order to dance La Bamba, to dance joyfully before the Lord, you have to have thanks in your mouth or have a thankful mouth. You have to be thankful so that you get that joy in your heart and what is in your heart comes to your mouth and you express that to the Lord God Almighty. You're thankful and you 
dance that whirling dervish, as you, if you will. You dance unto the Lord, as David did in Jerusalem. And Michal tried, Michael tried to tell him, Michal tried to tell him that she was feeling embarrassed or that he was making her embarrassed. Well, you can't make somebody be embarrassed. They're only that if they allow it to happen. But she was claiming that because she was not joyful that this important, iconic piece was returned, the Ark of the Covenant, which was directed and designed by God as a symbol for the relationship or covenant with God. And God does things for a purpose and a reason for all things. But he was so happy that they were able to get it back because it was taken. And he was so happy and so thankful and so joyful that he was dancing, dancing to the Lord. Well, there are people within the church body, and I've shared this with you before, they will try to tell you how to worship and try to tell you, oh, you can't do a Jericho walk around the church. Oh, no, 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 can't do that. And what I mean by that is there are some people in the congregation, I've seen it a few times where I go to church, we, we have come to call it the Jericho Walk. And what they do is they'll get up out of their seat when during the worship service or praising, and they walk around inside, and they're praying over people as they're walking. They're saying prayers over the congregation, and they're rebuking the enemy who comes. And I've shared this with you before, that the enemy will come in. Demons come, and they will frolic within the church. It's one of their favorite playgrounds to get you to be distracted, to be agitated, to be upset by these people that are around and, oh, look what they're doing with their children. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. They're over there. They're, they're texting and they're not paying attention. You don't know. Why are you paying attention to all that? I notice things and all, but I don't get concerned about that. I just start praying because I know that that distraction is not of God and that they're trying to get me distracted so that I'm more concerned about everything going on around me instead of listening to the word of God. Instead of being taught, being accepting <clears throat> of what I hear coming from God. <clears throat> Pardon me. Brothers and sisters, it is important. It is important that we are thankful always. Always. And here's one, here's Here's what, <laughs> what those theological wizards will declare as the, as the uh, lesser prophet, but as I've shared with you, a prophet of God is a prophet, not lesser, greater. It isn't, Habakkuk wrote just a, a couple chapters. I mean, it was a very short book in the Bible. So they call the theological wizards decide that he's a lesser prophet. Wait a second. He's carrying a specific word of God. How does that make him a lesser prophet? God spoke to him and told him to do something specifically. That makes him a prophet, period. It doesn't make him a lesser prophet or a greater prophet because he didn't write more. Uh, these theological wizards decide that they know best. Well, that's a bunch of baloney. It's just like when they talk about they have decided in their separation of the Bible. Oh, we'll call this New Testament the gospel. 
Well, the word gospel just means good news. So is not the whole Bible gospel? It's good news. It's the gospel of God. Then they talk about the gospel of Christ. And as if there's a separation. I I just, of course, maybe I'm just getting too basic and fundamental in my old age. I don't know. But gospel is gospel. Truth is truth. And good news is good news. What does it matter that it was coming from God in biblical history or coming from the New Testament when Jesus came and was murdered for our sakes? Oh, there I go again, using that word murder instead of crucified. Well, it is what it is. They murdered him. And Paul reminds us, and we find this in Romans 12, actually, very important. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Remember, I've shared this with you before. That we can shoot out these, uh, I call them uh, bullet prayers. And we can do that as an instant, instantaneous thing. And uh, Nehemiah did this when he was going back to Jerusalem and, and remember he was a uh, he was a cupbearer for the king and he had to be cautious and but he would he would send out bullet prayers. Those were quick little instant prayers that were instantly shared. And he did that quickly. And he was reaching out to God as he was going about doing what he was told to do. But back to Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a prophet, a prophet of God, and expressed and shared specific things. And this is what he was saying for the thankfulness and the thankful attitude. And Habakkuk 3 and 17 and 18. Though the fig tree doesn't bud, no fruit, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails, the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Because that which is most important gives him a thankful heart, so that he can express it with his mouth and praise God and be full of glory. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Be blessed.